Haley. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on and doing this in general. <laughs> of course. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and, and share your story. Haley, what happened to you? <laughs> what happened to me? Question of the day. <laughs> um, yeah. So to kind of start in the middle here. So when I was 23, I was actually um, physically attacked and nearly sexually assaulted in a bar. And that event just really left me like anxious just generally and just kind of looking for anything to take me out of my own head and distract me from how I was feeling. And about three or four weeks later, I met this guy who wasn't even really my type. I don't know. But we just started hanging out. Mm -hmm. um, about four months into knowing this dude, I didn't even know I was pregnant and I ended up miscarrying. I found I was pregnant as I was miscarrying. Whoa. And um, so that event in, in particular, um, obviously super traumatic. And he was very, I guess, general word abusive. Um, he threatened my life if I told anyone. And so it was something that I kept... Anyone about the miscarriage? Yeah. If I told anyone about the pregnancy, the miscarriage, anything. He told me he would kill me. Well, um, wow. Yeah, not That's a cool wild. dude. <laughs> no, not a not cool at all. dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> not at all. And so I kept it from all of my friends, all my family, my sister who I was living with at the time. Um, and I actually, not to be like super graphic, but I like completed the miscarriage actually in a public bathroom, which was not very cool. Um, don't recommend <laughs> like ideal, one yeah. at a time, <laughs> not the yeah, ideal yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, and so after that, you know, obviously completely alone. And I just started feeling this just general feeling of like, I feel disgusting. Like I could not shower enough. Like I was taking like three to five showers a day and I slowly was like realizing like, oh, I felt this way before. And so I started having all of these memory recalls of when I was a kid being molested. Um, really? So there were, yeah. So it was a very, and it, there were a couple things where it's not like I completely forgot them, but I just don't think I realized until that moment, like that was obviously wildly inappropriate for sure. And just like, disgusting just mm -hmm. disgusting shit um so there were like three major like i don't know <laughs> i was trying to think of a word to identify it but like quote unquote rounds of molestation uh-huh yeah <laughs> just like age wise um so it, like spanned from like five six years old and then nine years old and was it it was different people yeah mm -hmm. not wow. every single time there were a couple people but it was the same, but yeah. Interesting. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like what was your, what was the first experience like from what you can remember? Um, so another layer to add on top of all this, yeah. um, my mom was super sick when I was growing up to the point of like, I, when I was a little kid, I always thought she was going to die. Like I always just kind of understood like one day she'll go. So I'm just going to, enjoy the time we have together now. Um, that's so a, she I was, mean, I feel like that's kind of a good 
thought process. I mean, maybe not thinking about death too much as a kid, but definitely appreciation of people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Of just being like, you know what, this is what we got. So we're just going to make the most of it. Yeah. Um, She didn't end up dying. I guess I should say that. Spoiler (laughs) alert. Still alive. But because of that, like she was always super sick. My dad worked all the time, obviously health stress, raising three kids, stress, all that kind of stuff. Left them kind of there were so many other big picture things to worry about. They weren't paying attention to my sisters and I so much. Mm-hmm. So when it first started happening, my dad would either have to like go to work really early or stay at work late. And so I would just go home with one of my preschool classmates. And so it was different families that I would go with. Um, and actually one in particular, I, the abuse started with my classmate um, who was male And it was just, he was obviously being abused too, but it was just things that were way too specific, more than like a, oh, show me yours, I'll show you mine, kind of like little kid exploration stuff. It was very like, my penis goes here, like my, you know, like very, and so that's kind of how it started. And then it would be like, adults would then come into the room and then the abuse would become more severe or like I would be taken to a different room and abuse would happen. So that was like the first, um, round, round round of abuse. So it started Uh, with, it was, it was your classmate that was doing it. And then, so I, was it his parents that were involved? Like older brother, dad. Yeah. Wow. That's why. Mm -hmm. And I assume that he, the kid was also involved at the same time actually not it wasn't like three of us it was always just two of us if that makes sense yeah but it would just like start with him and then i would just get passed over (laughs) tossed around (laughs) yeah definitely around yeah yeah (laughs) i'm just fucked up but (laughs) yeah hey no it all is but yeah. <laughs> here we are talking about it, you know, yeah. that's the best thing we can do for it. And, you know, I feel like it's interesting because when I talk to people about this kind of stuff, there are so many differences in like the actual different types of molestation that people go through. There's like just a massive spectrum, but it feels like there's so much overlap in terms of like the emotions felt and like the confusion and embarrassment. I mean, I can't imagine like you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine. I shouldn't say I can't imagine. I definitely. <laughs> yeah, you've been there. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, especially when you're in, a, in an environment where you're not around anybody that you really trust. Like you, you feel like you can't. Like who, all the adults that you're supposed to be going to to for help with this kind of stuff are, are also doing it to you. It's like, and it's an impossible situation to to be in. But I think it's awesome that you're able to laugh about it now. It's so cool. Um, yeah, thank God. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so crucial. So how did that end? Uh, you said it was from like five to six. Was it just uh, what sort of put an end to that experience? I went to kindergarten. Like <laughs> I just, just got a went different to a carpool different buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> different carpool buddy. Yep, that's essentially what happened. I just wow. stopped needing to go there as much. So. And what was your thought process like while it was going on? Were you sort of like sort of numb to it, or did you? What was going through your head? Yeah, from what I can remember, I think I was pretty numb. And again, like I can't say like totally for sure just because my my memory's fucked. But I can I can really only imagine that like I was too afraid 
to tell anyone just because of all the shit that was going on at home. Like I would come home and my mom would be like catatonic and dying and my dad would be stressed out about work. And I just don't feel like there was any safe space for me to express that I was afraid because I was afraid in my own home too. So I think I would just kind of train myself to turn it off. Yeah, it's like this other level of of guilt that you kind of know like inherent like innately that if you were to tell your parents and family about this that this is just another thing that they have to worry about and and deal with and you never want to make other people feel guilty about the thing that you've gone through and especially when they're already going through so much. So I completely get that. Um, yeah, totally. And it's it's unfortunate because, you know, it, even though we feel like that in those moments, it couldn't be probably further from what our parents would actually want us to do um, or be people that we care about. But you just, at that point in time, it's like that logic makes a lot of sense. And uh, totally. definitely felt similarly. So that was ages five to six. And yeah. the next one you said happened when you were nine. Yeah. Well, actually in between then, um, so second round of abuse, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like we're in a boxing match or something. Yeah. Um, so second round, <laughs> they had me in the first one, then I came back. Yeah. And so I actually started exhibiting like a lot of telltale signs of abuse, like constant bedwetting, hypersexuality. And my parents automatically went to something medically wrong with her. I don't think they ever asked like if anyone touched me or if anything was going on. Um, so the second big event in regards to my being molested actually happened by a doctor. It was still in that same age range, like five, six, maybe seven. And the doctor actually, so I'm laying on the bed or on the, what is that called? The hospital the bed? Gurney. Uh, examination station. Yeah, the, yeah. Tape, the tape. Examination <laughs> the station. Table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was on that thing. And so my mom was standing in the corner. I'm standing or I'm laying down like he's facing me, but kind of turning to face my mom. And he was like fucking with my vagina with his hands. And I assumed he's just that. Ah, how, so how, how are you doing? He's just like having casual conversation while it's going on. Totally. And just like blocking my body with his body as he's turning and talking to my mom. Right. Yeah. So. Cause I, I feel like it's easy to tell the difference between when a medical examination turns not medical. I can imagine that was not very difficult to figure out. Was there like, I mean, how long did that go on for? Like I... I know for sure that I saw that doctor on two different occasions, but I mean, I can't say like I was there for 15 minutes or, yeah, you know, whatever, yeah. but I know it was at least twice, which is two times too many to be molested by your doctor, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion, I don't yeah. know, but <laughs> yeah. a controversial opinion. No. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And when that was going on, were you like, oh, I've been through this before? Like, were you still kind of aware of what had happened to you with your uh, buddy, I, I don't know what to call him, the, the person who drove you home or you were spending time with after school. Was that like, did it feel more normalized in your head or like, were you still like, no, I know this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. I think it was definitely pretty normalized at that point. And especially like, and I feel like I hear this all the time from people who are abused by doctors, priests, you know, like that's supposed to be a safe space. Like why would, why would a doctor hurt me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I think I just kind of, again, just like numbed it out. But 
I'm sure there was some sort of understanding of like, oh, I felt this way or like I've been touched this way, but he's a doctor, so he must know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, kind of the, um, another weird part about this is I specifically remember like thinking how handsome the doctor was. Uh Like that's like the one thought that I clearly remember from those events was like, oh, he's so handsome, which our brains just do weird things when we're trying to save ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. I mean, that's definitely a rationalization for, eh, it's not so bad, right? He's cute. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This 40-year-old man and I'm (laughs) five, you know. (laughs) Hey, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, our brains really will do anything to make the experience not seem as drastic. And like, again, I mean, talking about trying to keep your parents happy, like Mm -hmm. in that moment, it's like you probably knew, like, even if something was going wrong and you kind of innately felt that it was wrong, it's like you still don't want to burden your mom with that. So it's sort of this frozen situation that you're in where you're like, I I don't know what to do about this other than just nothing, because nothing means nobody else has to feel the burden of it. Exactly. You you didn't see that doctor anymore after after the second time? Not that I can remember, but memory is a weird thing. So... (laughs) It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if he's still practicing? I fucking hope not, man. But yeah. who knows? You ever, truly. You ever think about like, uh, well, actually, we can get into that later. I was going to ask you if you ever thought about like seeking any sort of legal action against him. But we can, we can talk about that later if you want to keep going with the story. It's a yeah, super... we got one more round. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Third round. Third round's the charm. Yeah. Sorry. There's... So this was five to six, seven ish, somewhere mm-hmm. in that time frame. And then nine. Yeah. So nine was the big one. Um, so it actually took place at one of my best friend's birthday parties and through, through a lot of therapy and um, kind of like learning the definition of different types of abuse, especially different types of sexual abuse. I can now identify what happened to me um, as rape. I was raped by um, her older cousin who was actually a teenage girl. So uh, being mm. raped by a girl is di- it's different still sh- still not cool i still yeah. wouldn't <laughs> recommend it for anyone but um yeah it was just like a different type of i don't i almost use the word intimacy but it obviously wasn't intimate but that kind of interaction with a woman before and especially around that age i was like ex- like, I just remember my friends having, you know, when you're like in fourth, fifth grade and all your friends are like, oh, my boyfriend that you have for like a week. Yeah. And I was so like, I don't, these men are disgusting. Like, uh-huh. no, I don't yeah, want that. Sure. But I was having such strong thoughts towards not like my friends, but like women in television and film. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. And so I think she kind of saw that in me a little bit Mm -hmm. and then decided to just take it way too far it's sort of one of those things where maybe similarly like how guys it's not as sort of known that this stuff happens to guys as well it's just one of those things that you don't really think about at very often and yet it is totally a thing in the initial molestation you were raped by the dudes that were coming into the room so what was the dynamically like how did your thought process compare at those two different times? 
again, honestly, brains are weird. So I think when I was nine, um, when that event took place, I think in the beginning I was really excited because I had never, and I grew up like in a super rural town. I didn't know any gay people. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a thing that I've been thinking in my brain. And this person is reciprocating those feelings. So it was honestly like really exciting in the beginning. And then again, this common theme of people threatening my life. Um, <laughs> she, she told me she would kill me if I, you know, made noise, told anyone, et cetera, et cetera. Things wow. people like to tell people they're abusing. And yeah, classic, um, yeah, classic move. <laughs> Find a new script. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it quickly just turned from like excitement to just like numb, shut down fear. Right. And it's one of those things where you you were into it presumably before it took a turn. Like I remember when I was getting molested, I felt like because I didn't say no initially, it, it made it harder to say no after that. It was like mm. I already hadn't said no when he was like playing what was called the wiggle game where he would just kind of like touch my dick. And because I didn't say no then, it felt so much harder to say no when he like escalated and like was doing it more intense molestation. Did you kind of, was that kind of a similar situation where you like had semi, I mean, it's not consent because we're children. We can't consent, right? Yeah. But like in terms of not expressing your like, I don't want to do this. Or, or were, did you say something like that uh, while it was going on with the girl? No, I mean, like same thing. I feel like, yeah, it's like a weird thing to to think of. Like, I can only imagine just because we were so young, like, I think we just kind of opened the door to that like small yes. And like, it was already open. Like there's no way to go back from that first thing. Yeah. Um, and that it, I don't know if like, if you have any thoughts on how that happened or like why that happens of like, why we don't feel like when it goes too far, like we just have to keep saying yes, you know, or not saying anything. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I, I do <laughs> feel like, I I actually felt a lot of this sort of guilt that you were talking about with your parents in terms of speaking up. I kind of felt a little bit of guilt. Like I almost didn't want to make the guy who was molesting me mad. Like yeah. I didn't really want him to. And because the one time that I did speak up and I told him to stop, he then was like a complete dick to me like the next day um, and was just like mocking me and taunting me and all of this stuff. And I hated that feeling. And um I, I don't know. I mean, it's just you develop this weird relationship with the person. In my case specifically, yeah, I just remember sort of feeling like I don't want to let it, it wasn't unique to him, I don't think, but I just didn't want to make any sort of person who I kind of looked up to be mad at me. And yeah. I think that you kind of know that by saying no, they're not going to, like, you can assume that they're not going to be psyched <laughs> about it. So exactly. yeah, I definitely did feel some of that. So did you uh, did you just go back out to the party or <laughs> what was the rest of the party like? <laughs> so, <laughs> but I love that imagery of just like, well. <laughs> Happy birthday. <Yeah. laughs> oh, I fucking missed the candle. Shit. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so it, it was actually um, when everyone had gone to sleep, we like stayed up talking. And so when she was done, when well that was weird i was like when we were done when she was done i don't know (laughs) you know someone was done doing something yeah 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 um i just went back to my sleeping bag and was like 
and she left. She drove home because <laughs> she was a teenager and she could drive and I was nine um, and right. I could not. Yeah. So I just went back to my sleeping bag and I remember um, we were playing a card game that night that like involved a bunch of decks of cards and like putting them all together. So all night, I think it was like, you know, it had to be like one or two in the morning. I started just like organizing the cards and like putting them in order by like suit and value. And like, that was like my, I was like, I just, I know I can't sleep. Everyone I know is asleep. This horrible thing just happened. I'm just going to do some weird organizational shit to get through the next few hours before everyone wakes up. And then I can be like my weird, funny nine-year-old self, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did it work? I mean, I I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, no and yes. As good as it can. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you went through all three of these experiences and you kept that all to yourself. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, so what happened next? The three rounds are done. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened? I mean, definitely, like, i still exhibiting those signs of abuse. Like, I probably wet the bed, not every single night, but pretty consistently until I was, like, 12. So that was happening. And again, just, like, the hypersexuality and the promiscuity that I wasn't actually, like, this is, like, a weird thing to say, but I wasn't, like, allowed to act on it, I guess, because I have a sister who was, like, She's my best friend and I love her till the end of time. But she was so, and like rightfully so too, she was just like so protective of me. But I had no one else that was doing the same thing she was doing. So I like wasn't really allowed to date or, you know, like be alone with boys, I guess, or like, or women, anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think she was just so worried about, and like I struggled with my mental health a shit ton too, especially in high school. Like I was hospitalized after a suicide attempt when I was 15. Mm. Um, I just experienced a lot of like, um, I honestly, when you watch the show Euphoria, like not that that's exactly my high school experience, but like that shit happened. And I think that was like my next big, like, I don't even know what the word is, but like there was just no recovery time, I guess. There was no space for me to tell anyone because it just, it was just, you know, if it wasn't a molestation, it was physical abuse. If it wasn't physical abuse, it was a suicide attempt. If it was a, wasn't a suicide attempt, it was X, Y, Z. Like things just kept fucking tumbling. Yeah. And honestly, they stopped tumbling like a year ago. Like, I feel like I finally have been able to catch my breath in the past year without like any major outward harm or abuse or anything like that, which is insane to be 27 and be like, I s- stopped being abused when I was 26. But sometimes that's just <laughs> yeah. like what fucking happens, unfortunately. So, hey, I mean, that's still great though, regardless yeah. of how long it takes. I mean, some people never recover from this stuff. So, totally. That's, yeah. It's awesome that you're at the point that you're at now, despite everything that happened. Was the suicide attempt leading up to that, was that pretty heavily influenced by the molestation that you'd experienced, or was it sort of other things? It was other stuff. Like, as I grew up in my home, too, like, my parents were super violent. They were both addicts in their own way. And, yeah, it was just, like, a really tumultuous time. I was also, like, getting bullied. Like, it was just, like, a shit on top of shit on top of shit type of situation. Stacks up fast. Yeah, she do. She does do that. (laughs) Trauma, (laughs) I mean. Yes, yes. (laughs) What was your life like between 15 and when you had your miscarriage? 
bad <laughs> um, to put it lightly. I was just a very, um, just a generally lost and codependent human being. I was completely, like I said, like my older, older sister, one of my older sisters is like my best friend and my everything. And she has supported me through literally everything. Sometimes not in like the most productive ways, but she like got me to survive, I guess. Mm. So there were, you know, I didn't have my first job until I was uh, 22. I got my driver's license when I was 21. So just like a lot of social delay happened. Um, I tried to go to college. That didn't work out. Um, so just like a lot of s- stumbling through early adulthood. Like right before my assault, that was the first time that I had like moved out on my own. I was living in a city where I wasn't really like close to any of... I had one friend that I had made or, or that I moved there with. But I was kind of like... That was my first stint at independence and then that happened and it immediately just like mm-hmm. took me right back. And do you think like, well, I guess before I ask that, when did you first speak up about what had happened to you when you were a kid? I talked about it in therapy for the first time when I, I think I was 25. So two years after like the major realization that I was like, oh no, that, that shit was bugged. <laughs> and you said that that was caused from? The miscarriage, just like that feeling of like, I just felt so disgusting Mm -hmm. constantly and just their memory of like, oh, I've felt this way before. It is so wild how just similar feelings will cause all these memories to come back. And what did it, the first time that you spoke up in therapy, because so you remembered all of these things as a result of the miscarriage. And then the first time that you actually told anybody about them was in therapy. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that feel? like honestly like really scary and shitty but I had a good therapist at the time that was very patient with me and like didn't really ask me to divulge in details which was my biggest fear I was like I just want this to be like a bullet point so you know and like maybe you can kind of like you know how in therapy it's like or I don't know if you go to therapy I I guess I was sick highly recommend (laughs) (laughs) it's very interesting how Um, You can talk about something as small as like, oh, I was really upset when I went to the coffee shop and it took me like 20 minutes to get my order or something small like that. Mm -hmm. And they can kind of like break it down into like, well, you feel such anger and disappointment because when you were a child, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, So she was very good at like kind of breaking down. I wasn't even totally aware. I just thought that I was like an idiot who didn't know how to hold her bladder. Like I thought it was like, and I got made fun of all the time for my family for wetting the bed when I was a kid. Cause I just thought it was like a dumb thing that I did, but she was mm-hmm. like, no, that's like telltale sign of molestation. Um, Interesting. I definitely was a bedwetter. Uh, I don't remember when it stopped, but I remember doing it a decent amount. <laughs> when I was, uh, after after I graduated college, my girlfriend at the time and I went, we went to Europe and did a trip there. And the first place we went to was her grandparents' house. And uh, the first night that uh, I was there, it was me and her sleeping in the bed. Um, and I 
absolutely just fucking soaked her grandma's bed in piss. And it was the fucking most embarrassing thing. And I was like, you have to say that it was you. I cannot take this. This is too much. It was my first time meeting your grandparents. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. I, like, had forgotten about how embarrassing it is wetting the bed. Yeah, hadn't hadn't dealt with that in a while and uh, forgot about how brutal that shit is. But um, Oh, it sucks. Especially, like, you're abroad. You're with your girlfriend. Friend. it's her fa- oh god <laughs> i'm like an oh, adult I'm so male. sorry man <laughs> <laughs> yeah it happens though yeah but, uh, <laughs> just get kind of forgotten about that experience um, sorry to remind you <laughs> not at all no these things are the more we think about them the better and honestly it's pretty hilarious now so i'm glad yeah. we're talking about it but um did you ever tell your family about what happened I finally told my sister, one of my sisters, probably like a month ago, she was, it was so funny. I was saying something um, about, it was probably really graphic, but I was just saying like, I can't wear tampons because like, it's very triggering for me. And I said something about like, because of all the sexual trauma I've experienced. And she knows some of the stuff that's happened to me as an adult, but she like very aggressively was like, what do you mean sexual trauma? I was like, and I just didn't say anything. She's like, were you molested as a kid? And like, was so like, tell me right now. And that's how she found out. <laughs> Interesting. Even at this age, you know, at 27, it's like, if people ask you directly, it feels like it's easier to be like, yes, rather than I was molested. It feels totally. easier to do that. And uh, it's exactly how I felt when my mom asked me initially when I was 10. How did you feel talking to your sister about it? Weird. <laughs> Because yeah. it was it was honestly something that I was like, I don't think I will ever share with a family member just because like, especially her, I think my biggest thing is she did so much for me growing up. I never want her to think that she came up short in any way, if that makes sense. Yeah. I never want her to think that she, and I, I don't, I don't, I, well, actually I couldn't say for sure if she feels that way or not, but I just didn't, I guess I didn't want to let her down, which is weird. When it had nothing to do with her being involved or not being involved, it was the fault of other adults or, you know, older people, people who were older than us who were at fault. Mm -hmm. But for some weird reason, I still applied it to like, I don't want this to be another thing she has to think about. Isn't that fascinating? I think that that's a pretty universal feeling that, Mm-hmm. who have experienced trauma feel i mean you can't speak for everybody obviously there are people that mm-hmm. will react poorly to finding out this kind of stuff but i think that the majority of the time they would always rather know and yeah i don't know but i completely get you <laughs> I <just laughs> totally empathize with that and um do you feel like after having told her do you still feel that sort of guilt for telling her i guess no is the short answer <laughs> Yeah. That's good. The funny thing about guilt is that like it really serves no purpose. Like there's exactly. no, even if telling speaking up about our experiences does make it a little bit harder for other people, it's still worth it in the long run for what it does for ourselves as victims, like freeing us up from our experiences and not feeling like we're completely alone. And also it's like I think that it's good for really any relationship when you are share that level of vulnerability, I think it makes other people feel like they can share what's happened to them too. And then it just becomes a share fest or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, 
I think that by having conversations like this, um, or really whoever you have them with, whether it's a therapist or somebody that you trust or a complete stranger, like the two of us yeah, on a podcast, like, yeah. Yeah, on a podcast. <laughs> it's right. It's cool to just be able to like hop on a call with, you know, somebody like yeah. yourself just laugh about these things that we've been through. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's such a weird specific kind of healing. Cause I think the expectation and it like, is totally valid that it's because this shit is so fucked and sad and like you have to cry about it and you have to be upset that's yeah. why i'm so happy that i found your podcast and found your tiktok originally because i was like oh thank god someone's fucking laughing about this yeah. you know like <laughs> there is like a weird like silver lining around this where i don't have to be miserable about it all the time i can kind of not totally like laugh it off, but just be like, man, that was fucked up. But like, look how cool I am now, you know? Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> and I think that that's a big part of why people hate talking about it so much is because you, yeah. you, it's hard to have these conversations in a way that isn't just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, like it, and absolutely it really good when people feel really bad for you. And I think that if we can sort of remove that stigma around these conversations and like, just show people that like it doesn't have to be this thing that just ruins you forever and laughing about it Absolutely. is I, I mean I, I had been to therapy before but something about laughing about it just really it can just be a different way for your brain to handle the experience that you've been through and oftentimes it's just like oh my god like it feels really good to laugh about it and you just totally <laughs> it's wild to me to hear that this healing is like relatively recent for you because you mm -hmm have a vibe about you that is like fucking you're golden you know like you seem Thank like you just, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's really easy to hear you talk about all of these stories because of the way that you present them and so i just <laughs> would be curious to know what would you say to somebody who has been through something similar uh or is wanting to get to a point like where you're at yeah um first off big oof big question um <laughs> but Honestly, for me, the biggest thing that I discovered is I just had to go back and try to rediscover, not, you know, like, I think a lot of people talk about like connecting with your inner child, but I really had to discover like as a kid or just like, maybe not even before the abuse, but when I was alone, like what was I interested in and what brought me joy without anyone's i you know ideas around like anyone's expectations i guess mm -hmm. and that really led me back into um, my spirituality um nice. i was a very like weird hippie kid and i recently again like got back into like astrology and i i don't know if you've ever heard of reiki I've listened to YouTube videos with Reiki in the description that are like meditation <laughs> soundtracks, I think is what it Oh, was. gotcha. Yeah. Um, but I don't know exactly what Reiki is. Yeah. So to put it like, like in a neat little bow, it's just energy healing is essentially what it is. And you like mm -hmm. get trained in it. You get like a Reiki placement is what it's called. So I went through that training and that was like, it just like snapped me into this, like, I mean, I don't know if I want to use this term exactly, but like quote unquote higher version of myself mm -hmm. where I just like, I Reiki has turned into this tool for me where I 
allow myself to like give myself a break, give myself a little bit of grace, give myself some peace and heal myself. And I know that it's very like, it's very wooey. It's very like white woman in Portland, (laughs) like type of (laughs) shit, which is not the origin of it. I shouldn't say that. It's a very like respected Japanese practice. I didn't mean to diminish it at all, but there's very much a stereotypical like, oh, Pacific Northwest, you know, like type of hippie woman um, situation. But so that was what it was for me. Also getting back, I grew up obsessed with films, obsessed with writing. And that's just kind of, I'm in the middle of filming a documentary right now. It's the first one I've directed um, by myself. So I'm like, just going fucking ham on all the stuff that used to bring me joy. So I think that's my biggest piece of advice is just like, find that thing that as a kid, just like brought you personal solace and peace and that can be something as simple as like did you really like monster trucks like start collecting monster truck shit or like (laughs) did you like going on walks did you like a specific did you like doing comedy you know like that kind of shit just find something simple that that just brought you peace and it can bring you back to yourself you're never going to be who you are before you were abused or assaulted before you experienced your trauma, but you can find joy again. I love that. And yeah. I think that a lot of people feel like you can't, that you are yeah. trapped and lost after you experience something like what, we, what we've been talking about. But first of all, you can't do anything about it. It's already happened, but you can exactly. actually use it to empower yourself and overcome it and become a better version of yourself or a higher version of yourself, however you want to think about it. Being willing to embrace however you're feeling and not feeling like you have to disassociate to, to cope. And it doesn't have to be this, this thing that you're afraid to, to deal with. And like you said, I mean, you can really turn it into a positive if you allow yourself to recognize who you were before it and, and who you are now and to find things that you really love and enjoy. And like, I think that so many people lose that. I mean, you, if you, you go through an ex- traumatic experience and you're like, what the fuck is all of it? Like, what? Like, what is this piece of shit experience that, I, that I'm yeah. having? Like, and why is it just me? Why am I the only one having it? And it's just not the case. But um, I think it takes talking to other people about it and hearing other people talk about it to uh, recognize that. Because we are literally just energy. That's all that's going yeah. on. That's all that's ever <laughs> been That's going it. on and yet we all all we do all day is associate with the thoughts that we're having in our mind and don't even consider the fact that we're able to beat our hearts and breathe without any conscious attempt or effort at all even when we're asleep and not even aware of anything that's going on in reality obviously subconsciously <laughs> we're aware but we're still doing all of this we're this incredible being that's existing in this space and we treat nothingness as nothing and yet in reality it's everything because everything exists within nothing just like coming back to to getting out of your head and coming back to the fact that all of this happened to you and you're still here and you're okay and maybe in your head it's just like this horrible experience that you're having but if you come back to the moment you're not getting molested anymore you're not going through and and maybe and maybe you are maybe it's going on right (laughs) now and that's horrible but it will pass it will end and and you these these things do not have to define you and you can grow and move on from them and become a better person as a result of it and help other people along the way. 
anyway, that was a bit of a tangent, but I, uh, it's a beautiful tangent. <laughs> okay, great. I did think so. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> Everything and nothing. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, Haley, this has been a really, really awesome time. I'm just so happy that you felt like you could come on here and share your story. And I'm really just thrilled that you're at the place where you're at now and feel, I mean, <laughs> talking about energy, I feel yeah. your vibes and they feel good. <laughs> it feels like you're <laughs> just in a great place. And I think that it was just perfect timing for you to feel like you could share it publicly. And I have no doubt that people will benefit from your experience. Overall, just like fucking, I cannot express like the amount of gratitude I have towards you. And I'm like very about like, again, like obviously like energy and the divine and whatever. But I really think like, there's just something in the universe that was like, now is the time for like you to share your story, all of the people that you've interviewed to share their story. And it is such a unique but like incredible way to help people. And I actually had my therapy session yesterday and I was just talking about like, Oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow. And I'm really nervous. And she was like, well, you're going to help so many people. And that's like what you're about. You're an energy worker. You're a healer. Um, just, you have to think about how many people are going to relate to your story and that it's just like such an incredible, it's just so cool. And I'm so happy that we're both at this place of like, it's always going to be a part of us, but it's not, the only thing like we are not people who got molested like you're an incredible comedian <laughs> you're learning you know how to do make a podcast like that's so fucking cool that you were like this is the <laughs> avenue i'm gonna go and i just think like the possibilities for healing for everyone who's experienced trauma are like so vast and wide and incredible and i just feel like if you put in the work and you put in the time and you are willing to like <laughs> cry and sweat and bleed through it this is where you get to be and that's fucking awesome and I wish to god I had this kind of platform to look at even a year ago even a year ago so I guess just overall thank you for doing this I would love to continue this conversation with you I have had a great time talking to you about being molested um <laughs> <laughs> and suicide oh, and yes. all that stuff so thank yeah. you so much that was really really sweet of you I, I deeply appreciate everything you said it was so nice talking with you about all of this too and i of course would love to continue the conversation thank you so much for coming on here and for doing this and um just wishing you all the best with your recovery that seems to be going great <laughs> thank you so. thank you and like yeah same back at you keep me involved with anything you're doing i'd be happy to, to help in any way i can yeah amazing thank you so much for being on here thank you for having me <laughs>